Hi, this is Rabbi Chaim Mintz, and welcome to my fifth episode of my weekly podcast, The Mensch. Boy, there's a lot going on this week. And my first story I would like to talk to you about is anti-Semitism. Wowzer. I mean, it is coming front and center. And it was a little ugly in the last couple of weeks. I mean, you all heard about Deshaun Jackson and also Nick Cannon. I mean, wow, the things that these people were saying, I mean, it bothered me. It shocked me as a Jew living here in America. America is a place where we all ran away from anti-Semitism, you know, when they were hunting us down. And then all of a sudden to find out that people did not understand the damage of their words. I mean, that hurts. So I want to just speak a little bit about what is anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is when you go, it's like any other type of hate to any group. But anti-Semitism is usually meant, I'm going after Jewish people, because the Jewish people are Semites. Most people don't know what Semites mean. Abraham had three sons. One of them was Ham, one was Yephes, and the other one was Shem, Shemites. And the Jewish shame settled in the Holy Land, and we are Semites. So people go and say, whenever you go against the Jewish people, oh, you're an anti-Semite. All right. Have I experienced anti-Semitism in my lifetime? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, people have literally said straight up to me, the worst of all things. But I got a pride about myself. I know who I am, and I just brush it off. But the problem is the guy who said it. Where was he coming from? What was his problem? Did he hate me because I'm a white guy with white privilege? A Jew? I don't know what kind of white privilege of a Jew I have because six million of my people had no white privilege when Hitler was coming after us. So what was it that he bothered him? That I'm Jewish? What would bother him that I'm Jewish? And it does bother a lot of people because there's a lot of things on the internet. A lot of people speak. A lot of hate. And people who do not challenge what they hear and do not investigate what they hear, they actually believe it. One of those things was Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon really has a wonderful relationship and he loves... Uh, uh, Louis Farrakhan, who's the head of the Nation of Islam here in America. In fact, I'm going to read you a quote where Nick Cannon was praising the Nation of Islam leader, Louis Farrakhan. And these were the things that he said. That when Louis Farrakhan talks about the rift on conspiracy theories about Jewish people and centralized banking, the bloodlines that control everything, even outside of America. This is Nick Cannon just spouting this by going and saying, I don't like the Jews because they're in the banking and they control the industries, etc., etc." Wow, was that pushback. That was hurt. That was hurt to a lot of people. Immediately, CBS and Viacom, they fired him. But he came right after Deshaun, what he said. Deshaun went out and said the exact same thing that came out of the mouth of Louis Farrakhan, an anti-Semite. But you know what Deshaun did? And I got to give him props. He got pushback. People were saying, this ain't cool. So what did he do? People reached out to him. Some of my rabbis and my colleagues in Philadelphia reached out to him. 
But what's even greater was is that he met with a Holocaust survivor. When he started realizing, whoa, I compared Hitler, and I praised Hitler and what he did and all that. I had no clue until I spoke to this guy and I heard what was really going on in the Holocaust. I heard Deshaun is even going and speaking to rabbis to really appreciate what is the Jewish culture. And that's the point, everybody. 99% of all hate usually comes from ignorance. You hear something, you hear it enough time, you buy into it. Hitler said so many terrible things about Jewish people when it goes unchecked. So many Germans bought into it. And they really believe we got to get rid of the Jews because they're going to destroy my country. But whenever you go after the Jews, it doesn't stop with the Jews. It eventually goes to other people that they don't like, like gays, lesbians. When there's hate, when there's anti-Semitism, when there's any hate of any race, it doesn't stop with that. Because power unchecked starts going after everybody. Because power wants power. So, Deshaun, I give you props. You're going out of your way to learn, to find out, to be educated, and you're meeting up with Jewish people. I got to tell you, he was another one. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one of the greatest basketball players ever here in Los Angeles. He gave a, he says, where's Hollywood when it comes to anti-Semitism? Where's the sports world when it comes to anti-Semitism? Why aren't they doing something? And I got to tell you something. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, his original name was Lou Alcindor, when he converted to, Mus to become a Muslim, he went and said, How come we're not saying anything against this hate towards Jewish people. He said, if you really do not like that people make fun of one race, but they're allowed to do it another race, you're wrong. We got to stand up against all hatred and all bigotry. Kudos to you. Kareem, that was a sky hook slam dunk. Anti-Semitism is on the rise here in America. We got to stand up to it. You must understand, if you really believe black lives matter, then every life that is put down through anybody in the world, you also have to stand up for that. You know what bothers me the most? that these ignorant people do not know that it was mostly Jewish people that were marching with African-Americans, with Martin Luther King, that the black population in America should have a better equality. The Jews were your allies. Even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar writes this in his article. What are we going up against the Jews for? They're our allies. People like Louis Farrakhan can go and check. And he has some of the biggest people, some in Hollywood and some in the sports world, believing what he says. If we're having a discussion on hate in this country, let's get all of our hate out. Let's learn. Let's find out more about it. That's why I make this podcast, The Mensch. So you can have your first contact with a Jew is me. Whether you agree with me or you don't agree with me. You know I'm being fair. And that's what it means to be a good human being. And that's what the podcast of Mensch is all about. Make the right choice. Deshaun, kudos.
Nick Cannon, I need you to do a lot more work. And God willing, you will. This is Rabbi Mintz telling you, all of humanity, it's time to be a Mitch. Welcome back. There was news this week that was almost an earthquake because whenever you hear anything about any of the Supreme Court judges not feeling well, that is the biggest news in all of America. That, my dear friends, is where you get an earthquake on the Richter scale of a 10.0. Let me explain what went on. First of all, this week, Ruth Gator Beta Ginsburg, who is 87 years old, was rushed to the hospital, and she had to have she had an infection. But the thing is, she's 87, and she's being treated for. But it's not the first time that she's been hospitalized. You must understand, she's already been not not too long ago in this past May. She went in for gallstones in November. She was admitted into John Hopkins Hopkins uh, University Hospital. Because she had the chills and fever. She didn't know what it was about. In 2018, she fractured her ribs. For an 87-year-old person constantly running back into the hospital, can you serve on the Supreme Court? So what happened was when she was being rushed to the hospital, uh, the president was in the middle of uh, in the Rose Garden. And he was taking questions from reporters. And one of the reporters goes, says, do you have any comment on Ruth Bader Ginsburg being in the hospital? And the first thing the, the president said, what? This is the first time hearing of it. Let her have a speedy recovery. But the question that the news reporter really was asking, are you going to talk about maybe she'll retire? Because that is the biggest news in all of America, no matter what goes on. It's the Supreme Court that really runs America today. Huh? Let me go and explain a few things. Let me, what the Supreme Court is really all about. We have three branches of government. We all know about it. It's the legislative branch. Branch. It's the, it's the what do you call it? It's the president, executive branch, and we also have the judicial branch. Each one of these things keeps the other in balance. Let's say the president does something. You can bring a court case against the president. Can you bring a court case against the president? And I got to tell you something. The most important thing is, is how they rule. Because how they rule, that's it. Do you remember not too long ago, um, the president wanted to put a ban on certain countries to protect the country. So there was a lawsuit that was brought into the, to the circuit court, the ninth circuit court in America. They ruled that the president doesn't have the right to do that. So what happened was the executive branch said, what do you mean we can't? So they went to the Supreme Court, to the judicial branch. And what they did was write up, on the top, they said, the president has the right. Once the Supreme Court goes and says they can do it, that's it. So what's the job of the Supreme Court? Is it just to go and say who's right, who's wrong? Let me read this to you. The power of the judiciary branch, which is the Supreme Court, can overturn laws, either from executive actions, and can also determine unlawful and unconstitutional laws that are made by the legislative branch. If all of a sudden Congress goes and says, we want this, we want that. Anybody can sue Congress. And if you lose, then you go to the Supreme Court. 
Let me give you a few examples where the Supreme Court ruled on things that you'd be surprised to find out about. Did you know? In 1913, there was a court. Congress made a law that we in Congress can create taxes if we want. And we can take money from the Americans. All of a sudden, a whole group of Americans went and said, we want to bring Congress to court. What gives you permission to do that? Eventually, the loser went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court in 1913 said, you can't collect taxes. Did you know in 1920, women said enough is enough. Why aren't we voting? They brought a lawsuit to court. Whether they won or lost, the losing side said, well, we want to repeal that. We don't like it. So the only place to repeal it is at the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is the final say. The Supreme Court said in 1920, women have every right to vote. There's no reason why you should say not. Did you know 1971 was a major one that affected just about every one of us listening today? Did you know that the only age that you can go and vote was 21? One of the parties felt, you know, we need more, we need more people voting for our side. So we need more voters. So what did they do? They said, we want to have that if we can send you to war at 18, because it was a draft, we want 18-year-old kids to be able to vote. They'll vote for a president. We'll let them go to war, not go to war. So they, Congress went and changed the voting to t from 21 down to 18. All of a sudden, the other side said, what are you talking about? You can't do that. So they went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court in 1971 said an 18-year-old kid is allowed to vote. So who are these people on the Supreme Court? So every president has a bias. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. Some of them are liberal. Some of them are conservatives. How do you want the judges to vote? The more judges you have, one way, because there's nine, there's a good chance that the country for the next 20, 30 years will go according to that way. Now, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg would have had to retire, and the president would have had a chance, Trump would have had a chance to bring in a new nominee, he would have gotten a conservative judge. And that would have made the court six conservative, three liberal. And this is, lies the problem, my friends, is that today the picks are political, not the proper way it was set up. In 1803, Justice Marshall said the job of a Supreme Court judge is to look at every action and look into to the Constitution and see if it fits into the Constitution. Some people say the Constitution is old. We need progressives to reinterpret the law. Those are usually people on the left. Then there are other people say like this, no, the Constitution is the Bible of America. We can't change the Bible. They're more conservative. Everybody asks questions. Are you going to be a conservative judge? Are you going to be a liberal judge? And that's where the corruption, that's where we lose faith in our Supreme Court.
Ruth Ginsburg gave us a scare when she went to the hospital. For a moment, everybody was saying, oh my God, will Trump have another chance to bring in a Supreme Court judge? The left doesn't want it. The right would love it. During the next campaign that will be discussed, if you vote for Trump, you'll get a certain type of judge. If you vote for Biden, you'll get a different kind of judge. My question to you is, do you enjoy knowing that our judges are politically motivated and not searching for the truth? Should that be the way? What say you? I'd love to hear your comments. Judge Roberts did a brilliant thing when the Obama health care was brought to the Supreme Court. Everybody thought that now that we have all these conservatives on the court, that they're going to go and wipe out Obamacare. Judge Roberts went and said, excuse me, we're not here to do your political hacking. As it stands right now, the law in the land is he's able to do Obamacare. You want anything to change? Go back to Congress, to the legislation, and write up new laws. We'll decide if that is constitutional. And if it is constitutional, then bring back the case. Judges have to be like that. Do what's right. Don't make up the law just because everybody thinks they want to win. I loved what Judge Roberts did. It was a crow to many conservatives. They didn't like it. But what he did was, according to the way the law is written, it's 100% right. I like when judges act that way. But I do got one thing to say. At the next election, you better pull the lever because in the next four years, there may be one or two Supreme Court judges. Who do you want sitting on the court? That will depend on the President of the United States. Be a mensch. Be a good judge. God bless America. Welcome back to the Mensch Podcast. And we're now at the section where, what would a mensch do? To understand how this works, let me get you to my producer, Jack. Tell us what's going on. Hi, Rabbi. This is What Would a Mensch Do? These are quick bites asking topical questions from today's news. For the first question. This week, we tragically lost Glee actress Naya Rivera. It is believed that she drowned trying to save her own son. As a Jewish person, is there something more honorable than sacrificing one's own life to save someone else? I mean, Naya Rivera, she did everything in her power to save her four-year-old child. I don't know a parent on earth that wouldn't do the exact same thing. Your child is about to die and you do everything? (sighs) What bothers me now is here's a kid that had a beautiful mom. She's not going to be there. But he'll always have the lesson. My mom told me, or taught me, it's worth sacrificing your life to save someone you deeply love. There's nothing more powerful than that. Thanks so much, Rabbi. This week, Disney World reopened to the public with strict social distancing policies in place. Does the Mensch think this is a good idea, and will it even last? 
would you actually go yourself with your family? You know, any, any place that wants to open up, I say open up. Why not? But there has to be precautions and it has to be not only on the company, but they also the most important is, is that you, the person has to take care of yourself. So you should do social distancing. Why not? So the company may go and say every two seats will be empty. Every two swings will be empty. Every two cups will be empty. So this way they can have the social distancing. So be it. But it's more about me, the customer, the consumer. I have to keep myself safe. If I'm going to enter somewhere, I got to do a good job. Would I go there with my children? <sighs> um, I really haven't gone too many places. So would I go there with my children? That's a, that's a tough question. You know what? I'll wait a year on this one. You know, Disney World will be there. So I'll wait a year. But for those that want to go there, the responsibility is on you. Just be careful. Be a mensch. Don't crowd somebody else. Thanks, Rabbi. This week, it was announced that the Washington Redskins are changing their name. How does the mensch feel about this change? And what are some new names that the mensch would suggest? Well, first of all, I'm a Giants fan. So anything that can change and destroy and rip apart any identity of the Washington Redskins, let them do it. But best thing is, people don't like the name, get rid of it. Why not? We're living in a time where everybody, it's not about a PC thing. It's about we can't hurt other people's feelings. So if this is what it takes, let's do it. Now, what names? What names would I give? Okay, how about the mighty Washington Swamps or the Washington Tax Collectors? Or let me get one more. Uh, yeah, it is. The Washington Movers and Shakers. Either way, they're still going to lose to the Giants. Game over. Touchdown, Giants. I'll see you next year. We're going to the Super Bowl. Awesome answer, Rabbi. All right, here's the last question. So yesterday, it was announced that China would be sending a space probe to Mars, making it the third country, including the U.S., to do so. In your opinion, should humans be trying to colonize other planets? And uh, if they actually did ever manage to do that, would you live there? All right, first and foremost, yes, 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 yes. I love it that they want to go to as many places in outer space. Think about it. When NASA sent the man up to the moon, our entire life became better. All of a sudden, we started coming up with computers. Do you realize that the first lunar module, the first lunar module that landed on the moon was only 500 megabytes of computer power? That's a half a gig. Your phone today has 64 gig. Get a load of that one. We got so many wonderful things. We got the microwave. So many wonderful things came into our lives and made our lives better because science had to get people somewhere. So if we have to go and start living on Mars, whatever they discover there to make life easier for them, we'll be able to come down and we will be able to have that benefit here on Earth. So I'm all for it. Now, would I go live on Mars for a while? I don't think I would like to live there forever. And the reason is, I come from Brooklyn. I moved away from the Martians. You think I'm going to go and live amongst all of those people out there? Besides, New York is freezing. I came to California. You think I want to live on the weather that's going up on Mars? 
ain't going to happen. I love my California weather, but I'd love to go visit. Each week, I love giving a final moral issue, something from the Torah, something from religion, a perspective, how to be a mensch. This week, I read a beautiful story of a colleague of mine. The name was Rabbi Friedman. He got a phone call to go rushing to the hospital. Seems like there was a kid that tried committing suicide, a teenager. And the nurses were just reaching out to religious people. Please come to the hospital to try to talk to this young man. So the rabbi comes in. Rabbi Friedman has a long beard. And he walks in. And the kid looks at the rabbi and goes, oh, so now they're sending me Santa Claus to talk to me? He goes, no, not at all, not at all. I'm a rabbi. He says, oh, are you going to tell me the same thing the priest just told me? And I said, I don't know what the priest told you. So he goes and says, listen, I tried committing suicide. I have absolutely nothing to live for in my life. And the priest told me is, Please, continue living, because God loves me. Are you kidding me? If God loves me, then why am I in the life that I have? God doesn't love me. I told him, please get out of here. And if you're going to tell me that God loves me, you're wasting your time. Mike Friedman looks at the young man, and he says, I don't think God loves you. I agree. I don't really believe that God loves you. But I do know one thing. God needs you. You're not here on this world because God has to love everybody. You're here for a purpose. You have a purpose. And that's why God needs you. And somebody who wants to commit suicide is getting away from the need that God has for them. So we got to sit down and talk right now. How does God need you? What could you do for God in this world? Because you need your purpose. Because that's why you're here. And if God ends up loving you, that's icing on the cake. The kid looked at the rabbi and said, you're kidding me. I never heard anything like this before in my life. If I'm here, you're right. There must be a reason. I matter. I have purpose. And the rabbi spent two hours with him. And he invited this young man to come to him. That when he gets out of the hospital, he'll spend time with them and become a mentor to show him how he can find his purpose in life. My dear friends, many of us are always wondering, I wonder if my life matters, if anybody cares. Does God love me? He must hate me because look at my life. Hello? It's not about looking for God's love. Does he love me or not? He created you. He wants you. He needs you. Do your job. Be a mensch. Go help somebody. And guess what? Here's the secret. God really does love you. Just do what God wants, and you'll feel it more and more. I know there was one time that I was feeling down. And I'm always asking. At that time, I was asking, does God love me? What I did was, is what my rabbis always told me to do. Stop asking if God loves me. Just go out into the world, do something positive. And when I helped somebody, and they went and said like this, Rab, they didn't say rabbi, they called me by my name, Chaim. They said, Chaim, thank you. You really, really, really changed my perspective. 
and how good I felt about myself. And I looked up to God and I said, thank you for giving me these tools. And I realized he loves me. He gave me these tools. Same with you. You're important, you're needed, and you have purpose. Now go live the life of a match. Each one of us have a lot of decisions during the week. Choose the right decision. Be a mensch. And God bless you. <laughs>